This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, and especially if you're watching for the first time. Now today we're going to discuss this topic, Be Committed to a Power. There is a power to which we ought to be committed. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss this very, very important topic. Now, in order that some of you who are watching for the first time might know about the free Bible course that we offer, we want to pause for just a moment. I want you to learn more about the course. We want you to learn how to receive it. So let's pause now so you can get that information. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. I'm reading now from Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning in verse 18, and I'll read down to the end of the chapter. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Every organization has someone who is in charge. Every organization has someone who is in a position of authority or power. And that's true of the church. There's someone in charge. And that someone is Jesus. Listen to Jesus again in verse 18. All authority has been given to me. Jesus has been given all authority. And Jesus has all authority over the church. In the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul put it like this in verses uh, 22 and 23. And hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus Christ has all authority. Now what Jesus says is endorsed by heaven. Notice Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. 
Jesus does not have, did not have original authority. The authority give, that he had was given to him by the Father. So Jesus Christ said what, uh, said what had been given to him by the Father. Notice in John chapter 12 and verse 49, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. Now I want you to think about that. Jesus Christ did not speak just off the cuff, as we sometimes say. Jesus said, I have not spoken of myself. The Father that sent me, he's the one who gave me the commandment that I should speak. Now listen to verse 50. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. And so whatever the Father said to the Son is what the Son said. But I want to get back to the point in verse 18 that Jesus has all authority. And the, the authority Jesus had was given by the Father. And we need to be committed to that power or authority, that is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever Jesus says is endorsed by the Father. And so whatever Jesus says is what I should believe. It is what I should teach. And so I think we need to be like Micaiah of old in 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter in verse 14, where he said, as the Lord liveth, what the Lord says unto me, that will I speak. Well, that's what Jesus said, isn't it? And isn't it the case that you and I need to speak only what the Lord says? There needs to be a greater respect today for the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, the body, and we receive our instructions from the head of the body. Just as my physical body receives its instruction from the head, the spiritual body, the church, receives its instruction from the spiritual head and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to have a greater respect for the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did not say that I have some authority. Jesus said all authority has been given to me. He has all authority in heaven. He has all authority authority on earth. Jesus Christ has all authority. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21. Far that Jesus is far above 
all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And then Paul said, hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Don't you see, Jesus has all authority. Jesus is far above all principality. He is far above all power, all authority, all might, all dominion. He's far above every name that is named. If you were to name some of the most important people in the world, if you were to name some of the most important people who have lived, the name of Jesus is far above every name that is named. The name of Jesus is far above the name of Confucius. The name of Jesus is far above the name of Mohammed. The name of Jesus is far above any other name that you might think about. And Jesus has all authority. Jesus has authority as King of kings and Lord of lords. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 affirms. Think about it. All authority. Jesus Christ has all authority as the giver of law. So he has legislative authority, you see. Jesus has a law. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and beginning in verse number 15, we learn when that law was given. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15, Jesus said, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant or the New Testament. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Now I want us to think about those three verses. We're showing that Jesus Christ has all authority as a lawgiver. And Jesus gave us his last will and testament. And it was inaugurated when he died. That is, it was enforced when he died. And it was the Apostle Peter in Acts the second chapter that was the first to announce the conditions of the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now let's look at those verses for just a moment. He said he is the mediator of the New Testament. 
And he was that by means of death. And he died for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. So there is a new covenant, there is an old covenant. The new covenant is the covenant of Christ. The old covenant was the covenant that was given to the Jews in the Old Testament, given to the Jews only, according to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1 and following. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he gave a law. His law is referred to here as the new covenant. We call it the New Testament. It means the same thing. And then notice in verse number 16, for where there is a testament, that is a covenant, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Perhaps you have made out your last will and testament. But that last will and testament that you've made out that you've had some duly authorized individual to draw up for you and you've signed it, will not be of any value to anyone until you die. Now let's read verse 16 again. For a testament, for, for where there is a testament, there must also of necessity, of necessity, be the death of the testator. Well, why is that? That's where we read verse 17. For a testament is in force after men are dead. Your last will and testament will not be enforced until you die. And until you die, it is of no value to anyone. Upon your death, then the conditions that you have in your last will and testament can be carried out. They are your last wishes, as it were. So where a testament is, there must be the death of the testator, for a testament is in force after men are dead. It has no power at all while the testator lives, the testator being the one who made the testament. And so the last will and testament of Jesus Christ was given when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary in the second chapter of the Colossian letter and in verse number 14, Paul is talking about what happened when Jesus died on the cross. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. He wiped them out. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. He took that old law. And he nailed it to the cross. Jesus Christ has authority as a lawgiver. When he died, he gave us his last will and testament. You and I in this age live under the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. I hold in my left hand the Old Testament. I have in my other hand, as you can see, the New Testament. You and I 
are not subject to the Old Testament law. Jesus has given us a new covenant. We call it the New Testament. And we are subject to the conditions laid down in the New Testament. But those conditions were not enforced upon mankind until the death of the one who gave the testament or covenant. That explains a lots of things for us. That explains why we do not go to the Old Testament to find what God wants us to do in this age. Now, there are many great lessons to be learned from the Old Testament. I preach from the Old Testament. I believe that every word of the Old Testament is true. It is inspired of God just as is the New Testament. But one day I will stand before God to be judged. I will not be judged by the covenant that I hold in my left hand. I will be judged by the covenant I hold in my right hand. That is the New Testament. Now, the man that's sometimes referred to as the thief on the cross, incidentally, there were two thieves. And when people talk about being saved like the thief on the cross, they mean the, mean the penitent thief who said, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And sometimes people say, I want to be saved like the thief. And the thief was not baptized. Well, that thief lived and died while the covenant that I have in my left hand was still in force. He lived and died under the old covenant. The old covenant did not teach that one must be baptized. But you and I today do not live under the covenant in my left hand. We live under the covenant that I hold in my right hand. That is the New Testament. And Jesus has all power and all authority as the giver of this New Testament. And the conditions of salvation are laid out not in the old, but in the new. And in order to be saved today, we are to believe on Christ. That's in the New Testament in John 8, 24. We're to repent of our sins. That's in the New Testament in Luke 13, 3. We're to confess our faith in Christ. That's in the New Testament in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. We're to be baptized. That's in the New Testament in Mark 16, 16. You see, the conditions of salvation are not here in the old. They're in the new. And Jesus Christ, the one with all authority had authority to give us his last will and testament. Incidentally, I have no reason to believe what the same thief on the cross wasn't saved. For Jesus said today, you're going to be with me. You're going to be with me in paradise. But the point I want to make is the thief was not subject to the, to the New Testament that teaches that we're to believe in Jesus and repent of our sins and to confess our faith and to be baptized. The thief lived. The thief died. 
before that law had been enforced in the New Testament. And so Jesus has all authority. And Jesus Christ has all authority not only as the giver of law, but he has authority as a judge. He has authority as a judge. There's a couple, there are a couple of passages in the fifth chapter of John's gospel that I would like for us to note. One of them is verse number 22. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Now this is verse 22. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Now verse 27. And let me drop back and read verse 25, and then we'll come down to 27. Most assuredly I so t say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Now verse 27, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Jesus Christ not only has authority as King of Kings, he not only has authority as the giver of law, Jesus Christ has authority to execute judgment and indeed he shall. When Paul was speaking to the people of Athens in the 17th chapter of Acts, in the 30th and 31st verses, this is what he said, The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness, by the man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. You see, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he was assuring people for all time to come there was going to be a judgment and that Jesus would be the judge. He's your Savior today. He wants to save you today. Well, one day... Jesus, who has all authority, will execute judgment. Let me ask you a question. What authority governs your life? Right now, what authority governs your life? Somebody says, well, you know, Brother Lambert, uh, I just feel it in my heart that everything is okay. My conscience doesn't bother me. And, and so long as my conscience doesn't bother me and I, I, I feel good about everything, I, I think I'm okay. In other words, your conscience is your authority. Well, well our conscience cannot be a safe uh, standard of authority for us. When we think about our soul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, prior to his conversion in 
lived in all good conscience before God, and yet he had been persecuting people. They were called Christians. They were called the way. And yet it didn't violate his conscience because he was thought he was doing that which is right. Our conscience is not a safe guide. Unless our conscience is regulated by the divine word of God, it is not a safe guide for us. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, what, what I do is I try to follow what the majority of people are doing because if the majority of people are doing a certain thing, you know, Brother Lambert, it has to be right. So the consensus of the majority is your standard of authority. Well, the majority has never done what's right. Our Lord in Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in there. The majority of people are doing wrong. So the consensus of the majority is not a safe standard of authority in religion. And somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, uh, we have a lot of traditions where I go to church and, and we elevate those traditions as our authority. In other words, your authority happens to be the traditions of the church. But my friend, Jesus is the one who has all authority. His word is not a, an authority. The, his word is the authority. It is the final word. And we need to have a greater respect for his authority. The, world, the religious world today is woefully divided. And it's not what the Bible teaches that does that. It's what it doesn't teach. Oh, how we need to respect the authority of Jesus. Be committed to a power, to his power, to his authority. Believe on him, Repent of your sins and as, as a confessing believer in him, respect his authority enough to be baptized into him. I want to thank you for listening today and I trust that you will think on these things and in the closing moments may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Also, pick up the telephone now Call for the free Bible correspondence course. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.